Hello, welcome to Reclaiming the City in Korea, a podcast mini series from the NAM Center for Korean Studies at the University of Michigan. My name is Simi Oh. In this mini series, we'll feature the NAM Center's Artist Residency Program, which showcases Korean arts across all disciplines through famous activists, dancers, architects, sculptors, playwrights, and more. This podcast is co produced with Francisco Sanin in anticipation of the perspectives on contemporary Korea conference. Which is scheduled for November 12 to 13. Francisco Sanin is an international architect and urban designer and professor at Syracuse University. He has worked with Commissioner g u i a n j o n g in 2004's City of the Bang exhibition for Venice Biennale and was also co commissioner of the Korean Pavilion in 2008. He was a designer of the Gwangju Biennale in 2011 and the curator for the Seoul City Architect Forum in 2017, and recently served as the co director of the Seoul. Biennale of Architecture and Urbanism in 2019. Our guest, Hyungmin Bae, is architectural historian, critic, curator, and professor at the University of Seoul. Twice a Fulbright Scholar, he studied architecture and urban design at Seoul National University and received his PhD from MIT. For the Venice Biennale, he was twice curator for the Korean Pavilion, which in 2014, Was awarded the Golden Lion. He was the director of the inaugural Seoul Biennale of Architecture and Urbanism and has been curator for major international exhibitions. He is presently working as a researcher curator for a major cultural initiative on climate change supported by the Arts Council Korea. With Francisco, we have several overlapping work that we did together. In the case of the Biennale, we were sort of like consecutive directors. And we shared a lot of interests. So the title of my Biennale was The Commons or The Imminent Commons, and his was The Collective City. And so there's a kind of strain of work and thinking that binds Francisco and myself. The work that I'm involved in right now, the climate change exhibition, has specific elements in it that link to what I did at the Biennale and beyond. And the fact that I'm interested. That I'm involved in issues such as climate change is somewhat of a personal story because of the trajectory of someone in my generation. I think this could apply to you know, anybody else outside of South Korea also. But the change in the issues that face us uh, as a society, as an individual, As someone who's doing work in the field of architecture. It's actually a personal question. I use materials from your Venice Biennale for my class on North Korean visual culture. I really heavily rely on it. And one of the reviews that I read is how that exhibition approached North Korea differently from. Other works was that it was research in progress. It was a you know, exhibition that really showcased the research. So I was wondering that very relationship between curatorial work and research. So if you could touch upon that. That 2014 Korean Pavilion was very important personally because it was a moment where I could call myself a curator. So after that exhibition, I put in my CV, I c a l l curator. And the reason was because I was dealing with a topic that I had no prior experience or, or research in. And if it were a uh, book project or, or somebody asked me that I should contribute to a scholarly 
book on North Korea, I would say I don't have the uh, requisite expertise to be involved. And that's sort of like the scholar in me talking because I still have never been to Pyongyang. And how would anybody with that little experience and knowledge be involved in a exhibition that involved North Korea? But I think curatorial work allows this kind of opening to do new things, to enter into areas where you don't know as much, but because of the nature of the work that you can contribute. And it opens up new venues to issues and topics. So through that experience and and being acknowledged with prizes, and that got me to think what exhibitions can do, how that's different from intellectual writing and research. And so, so that process of putting up an exhibition on a thing that you don't know, and then through that process, you start to know things and you set things up for other people to experience. So that was truly fascinating. In that text, it was sort of like a, a way of explaining how research and curatorial work sort of have a dialogue in which you can produce something that opens up new venues and new ideas. That was what I thought a Biennale should do. Biennale should open up uh, new possibilities rather than you know reaffirm things that everybody knew. And that was why I think that exhibition was so well received. While other exhibitions that year, because REM had sort of set up the national pavilions to look back, most of the national pavilions had this sort of like old historical sort of feeling. It was about older times. But the Korean Pavilion and a lot of others, of course, had this sort of idea of the future, of the present, by looking at the past. And because of the instability of this relation between North and South Korea, I think that sort of hit a note with everybody, that history, that the past had a real force in terms of what the present is, how we're going to move to the future. The important thing was that we would not be condescending, that we would not assume that we knew about it, that we would be experts by just going to Pyongyang a couple of times and taking a few photographs and then suddenly you are the expert on North Korea and you, you can comment on, on what that society is about. And so the, the underlying idea that we don't know, that we have a crow's eye, that one eye is blind, we wanted to maintain that intellectual humility and I think that allowed individuals who participated in the exhibition to contribute in a way that could become later a kind of collective idea without assuming that we know about North Korea, that we could sort of present it in a way that created a kind of collective intelligence that a knowing individual could present. For me, it's very important that the relation between being a scholar writing and a curator who deals with much more diverse media and why I call myself a historian, critic and curator. Now I insist that I be called a curator because that is part of the kind of work that I think is required. I think, you know, everybody will agree that the world has changed and the way you communicate has to go through different kind of channels and media and platforms. And so I'm very happy that I was later in my career that I became involved in exhibitions. And actually the first opportunity was a project that Francisco created. Do you remember 808? Was it 0708? The Florence Korean Soulscape. 
So Francisco wanted to bring Korean architecture to Syracuse, to Florence specifically, was there. You were there at that moment. And I think my first involvement in an exhibition was just to to write an essay and to give a talk. And that was probably like my earliest sort of involvement in, in exhibitions. One is the trajectory that you mentioned of how you got to this last exhibition. So it's like a movie that starts in the present and then you go back to how you got there. What was the kind of process that brought you to this exhibition on climate change? And you said it was something about sort of generation experience. And then the second one, I think it also opens up beyond the title of curator, just to push you a little bit. <laughs> it, it is the, the, the fact that you, you were a curator before being a curator because you've been curated texts, you've been curating ex exhibitions in many ways, you've been curating events. What's interesting for me in the context of, of, of discussing the production of the city or the reclaiming of the city is how these emerging modes of action empower or enable different forms of engagement you know, of, of similar ideas, of your concerns with the commons, which obviously you immediately connect to architecture through the oikos, right? You, you immediately bring climate crisis is the crisis of the home. And it's not only the home of the earth, but it's the home at, at the personal scale because they are both in crisis, right? And so you have chosen and you have, you know, one thing that distinguishes you is this these different modes of operating, writing, lecturing, debating, symposium, but also curating, designer, multiple facets. And we interesting to see this initial question of the curatorial, the researcher, the scholar, the critic, being the same person performing in different modes. I find that fascinating. You know, how does one, as you say, how does this opens new ways of communicating, new ways of engaging with knowledge, but also of disseminating knowledge and providing a sort of critical frame for what we're going through. With climate change, I've been getting to know the work that NGOs are doing. That, that citizen organizations are doing. And so they, they, I think their work has been more with with large, with going out into to the sea, to the forest, and their sort of activism goes back and forth between the politicians and to where the issues are, particularly to the issues. If desertification, then they go out and try to recreate the forest and, and do research on on changes in the climate in uh, certain arid areas. And so they go back and forth. And I think one of the things that they miss, particularly in, in Korea, is to command a larger audience about the issue of climate change. And so I thought that, again, entering a new area of, of expertise. So I'm really not an expert on climate change. I, I haven't really studied it, it, it systematically or extensively. I think it's the same kind of situation with North Korea. So, so you know that this is an issue, as you know that the relation between North and South Korea is, is one of the crucial geopolitical issues um, of the present. And, and you know that, that climate change is the central issue of this of our era. But then it's such a huge, large issue that, that you, you, you don't suddenly become an expert. And so I began sort of understanding it, dealing with it, studying a bit in preparing for the Seoul Biennale, the 2017 Seoul Biennale. The issue of the commons, of course, necessarily brings you to that issue. 
But uh, with Alejandro, we had a kind of specific way of dealing with it. Alejandro was a technological, almost a deterministic attitude. So he had an idea that you approach climate change with new technologies. And we had issues, debates with that. My take was that it was more of a kind of social productive issue. And especially because I was interested in how to bring the city administration, what the city was doing at that time in relation to the commons. And so we were dealing with issues of environment. So I began you know, studying issues of climate change at that moment, and it's such a wide-ranging issue. And then recently, early last year, a curator for the Urban Food Shed was the title of her section in my Biennale. She got a major grant from the national government, and it was about climate change. It was the largest single grant <laughs> from the Arts Council Korea, a million dollars. And because usually the Arts Council Korea gives like little tiny pieces of, of stuff. But the reason that that was such a major grant was because it was part of a, of a national policy initiative that was announced like two years ago by the present government about its sort of policy on, on it. So it was called the New Green Deal for Korea. And so some of that funding went into a art project for exactly that purpose of sort of getting out the idea that uh, our future is at stake, that we have to change technologies and society towards sustainable future. And then, so that sort of project I got involved in and uh, my project was to study the construction system of houses in, in Korea, how that evolved from the 1960s on. And so it was it was more just a research, but we were, we were not going to propose, you know, solutions and, and transformation was, was just doing that research was difficult enough. So we were interested in the kind of life cycle of how apartments, usually high-rise apartments were, were being built. And that sort of became part of the exhibition. So again, a combination of curator research work and, and now I'm sort of getting to know a little bit about what uh, these uh, citizen organizations are doing, what they're doing in the field, and because they are involved in the exhibition too, different citizen groups involved in environmental protection and things like that. And, and so I haven't yet gotten to that <laughs> field of activity, <laughs> activism. But with climate change, I think that, you know, you, you have to get things out. You, because surprisingly, people don't really know what's going on. And then, you know, I think in the United States, there's even uh, climate change denialism, <laughs> denials. That, that isn't so in, in Korea. I think people in general, they agree that it's a serious issue, but, but to get out the situation in very specific ways, because this exhibition is an art museum setting. So you have to sort of set the exhibitions within sort of like the art world context. So I think that would be a kind of different approach from a Biennale. So we're sort of trying to understand what that is. Every field is, is uh, sort of dealing with that issue, but how to deal with climate change or, or to deal with that issue within the traditional sort of media and, and the traditional uh, fields. I don't know whether that's an, that's an answer for you, Francis. No, no, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's great to, to have this incredibly, you know, wide 
panoramic view of both your own position and you know how you position yourself in order to be able to have some effect on society by redefining your roles and that each one of them allows you to both produce and reflect and and do things and i would add the one of activist very soon not only curator but, but activist but you also i mean i was also very intrigued you know i'm, I'm quite fascinated with the, the uh, bruno latour's idea of the critical zone right where he says in front of basically in front of the climate change this idea of modernity that keeps looking at the planet at this distant object and that we need, really need to focus on a specific moments that that's when the, the reality becomes very evident Right. So it's very intriguing for me to see that. And somehow, I'm not sure if you, if you agree with me, but an interesting moment where you begin to somehow look for this connection between this global threat, you know, the way that, for instance, the building industry in Seoul is impacting that, right? So the, the idea of the dead of the homes, in a way, narrows it, but it also makes it more apparent. It makes it more both understandable and more critical. In a way, urgency becomes also more evident. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit more, you know, how you arrived to looking into to the housing industry, which of course, you know, is, is the kind of ultimate modernist Korean uh, dream of Korea, the, the industrialization of the country. The apartment and the factory, I guess, it, it's it's universal, but particularly the, the house and the way the con- construction industry was created in a very short time to create this mass of livable space. That's sort of like part of the, the mythical miracle of the Han. And so I wanted to understand the kind of network that was created in a very short time, particularly the material basis, you know, the, how the construction industry, which was mostly based on, on wet construction, and that was created, the, the administrative systems, the bureaucratic underlying system that allowed such you know, mass construction. And then, of course, the, the way, the lifestyle. And so you look at the kind of media, the cultural framework of how people uh, wanted to live. And so you try and sort of put that together. I think the, the research work that we did, which is still a kind of report, the format for that, and then the format for the exhibition changes. I think with the exhibition, you have to have a kind of aesthetic impact. And so at this moment, we're, we're transitioning from the research work to a kind of visual, you know, auditory sort of experience for, for the exhibition. I think that for in terms of research, there's a lot of things to do. We were trying to understand the kind of data that were being produced, both in global, you know, these, these UN-based, OECD-based sort of data that links to, to governmental data production and how that sort of bureaucratic system works. And so when we deal with a certain number, I discovered there's a lot of numbers. Like, you know, <laughs> we are in a sea of statistics about climate change and and, uh, <laughs> and CO2 production and all that. But what I discovered is that we really don't understand the nature of those numbers. The Korean government and the uh, UN have all these very specific numbers about in relation to material production. Like, like if you use a kind of co- a concrete steel roofing system, they can tell you how much CO2 that system produces per ton. And so I was sort of like, how did they get this number? My conclusion is that it's a very bureaucratic system. And so it's a top-down kind of 
way of getting these numbers. And we haven't succeeded yet. I think we need a lot more research and time to do this, but we need a kind of bottom up kind of understanding of of the numbers. This is very difficult to do. You have to do it on ground and and you have to have all the on ground data to do that. So that kind of discovery, you know, I don't know whether that's part of that kind of issue of criticality that Latour talks about, but I think that is the kind of field of research that he would be looking at as a kind of historian of science. And so I'm sort of like put in a position in this research where we're doing a kind of historian of construction material in terms of climate change. Can you do that? Can you actually sort of reconstruct how, how, what the CO2 production was for this major apartment complex at a certain point and what environmental damage it will do when you sort of destroy the whole thing and build up a new <laughs> apartment complex. So you know that the Korean uh, life, uh, life cycle of apartments is very short and because of the real estate forces that, that are in work. The initial goal was to be able to calculate the CO2 of the life cycle of a major apartment. But we do have the statistics, the numbers to do it, but these numbers were not what we thought they would be. And they were not the numbers of the actual sort of production of concrete and the environmental cost of of transportation. That was not the way these numbers were created. And so we, we would need a bit more time to do that. Philosophically, it is understanding things as as agents, as how materials and and systems operate, and less so on on the individual acts, the the traditional subjects of the the company or or the architect or the planner or the politician. And so we were trying to understand this as a system, as a network. And so that, that kind of approach, I think, links up with what Latour, a lot of what Latour is, is getting at and, and the actor network theories and the new materialism. I think that sort of approach came into our research. One of the items in our exhibition is that we are, for the first time, sort of making public the sea rise maps in Korea. You know, everybody knew that you know that certain cities, shorelines, will not remain within the next few decades. And everybody, you know, understands that, but the governmental organizations like the environmental ministry had the data, but they didn't share it. They, within the governments, they shared it with the local governments and and they sort of started doing research on how to deal with this and stuff like that. But it was just a few months ago that our ministry actually put it online, you know. And so it's a real... You know, it's a real PR issue. It's a real <laughs> public information need to know. And even after that, people don't really talk about it much because maybe they want to protect their real estate values. And so that in itself has serious ramifications for like Port City of Busan, where the seashore line is high density development around these areas that will be flooded in 20 years. You know, you get it out there and, you know, we'll, we'll see how how individual cities respond to that and how the national government will respond to that. 
The specific case of Sol has an, a history that I find really intriguing that in a way coincides with the, the crisis of the growth of the city in this model with the apartment and this sort of incredible effort for fast industrialization. It also coincides with a sort of stagnation of the demographics, right? There's a sort of peak of demographics and, a, and an intention to go back and look at the city after fulfilling the kind of numeric needs of housing, right? I have a pessimistic view about the future of Korean society, actually. You know, as you mentioned, we are one of the few sort of like successful late modernizing society in, in terms of statistics, in terms of quantity. I think we have been a success in all the kinds of measurements. But the kinds of social issues, people are just not happy, particularly the young generation. Their view of the future is extremely dim and, and understandably so. The mechanisms of capitalism, of, of modernization that drove Korean society just doesn't work anymore. And you see it in the city. You see how the city once was a very dynamic, you know, the, the city was the forum of possibilities. That's what the myth of the modern city was. And Seoul was like that, you know. Korean cities were, were like that. But then I, I think we've, we've come to a major point of crisis where the city does not provide possibilities, but is a kind of barrier, the real estate prices, the lack of, of opportunities. That is the city right now. So how do we sort of move through that? And it requires, I think, multi-agents, people like me, activists, politicians, all sorts of different people have to sort of generate within their work to reconnect, to make, create new kinds of, I think, paradigms of work. You know, Sami asked me about how, how you walk through these kinds of disciplinary boundaries that were created by modern society. I, mean, I think the modern bureaucratic system told me, you know, you are this kind of person, you have to do this work. But then you, I think everybody needs to sort of break little boundaries and reconnect and then uh, new modes of practice as Francisco talked about within the city I think will that's the way you sort of open up different kinds of venues that's what I'm interested in in the in again in the critical zone this idea of biopsy because the city doesn't exist right I mean the city as a construct is, is so extensive I mean the city is I, I start with the premise that the city is a contested territory right and it's always been and it will always be. And it's how that negotiation has now been skewed to such a point that there are so many disenfranchised, as you say, depressed, marginalized. And so every effort to rebalance that doesn't mean that it needs to be, you know, it's not a foreign army that is going to come and take over the city, but it's the everyday action of reclaiming my right to be in the city, right? My The right and, and the different modes in which that might happen. So, you know, as an artist, as a curator, as a critic, as an NGO, as an activist, uh, even as a bureaucrat, as an architect, we all have a role to play in, in sort of chipping away and, and reclaiming bit by bit pieces. Thanks a lot, Hume, and we really thank you. This is fantastic.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Reclaiming the City in Korea. If you enjoy this conversation, please check out our mini-series available on all podcasting platforms. If you are interested in more Nam Center programming, please visit our Facebook page at Nam Center. I want to thank Hyungmin Bae and Earl Bae of the University of Michigan Seoul Juice for our theme song and David Merchant for IT support. This podcast was co-produced by myself, Francisco Sunin, Justin Shell, and Kate Clem, and edited by Heather Dva. Please join our next podcast recording featuring Dr. Judy Hun, artist, activist, and assistant professor of gender studies at UCLA. This work is supported by the Core University Program for Korean Studies through the Ministry of Education of the Republic of Korea and Korean Studies Promotion Service of the Academy of Korean Studies.